Hello, I'm Olivia Braffman and welcome to If She Can, I Can, the podcast that aims to edge all of us ambitious women that little bit closer to navigating how on earth we get the high-flying career we love and have kids without totally burning yourself out and challenges the role society thinks we're supposed to play in it all. How? By talking each week to inspiring women who have proven the statistic wrong and have done just that. Let's get into it. Today, I'm joined by Alice Ricard. Now, I admire a lot about Alice, but I think the aspect I admire the most is her ability and bravery to start again. From a discerning career working in finance and hedge funds, she left the corporate world to follow a passion to become a fitness trainer. She quickly gained notoriety as an all-star coach at some of the biggest fitness studios in London and with a devout following. But fast forward a few years and Alice enters motherhood as a twin mum and her career takes another turn. Now, not training people's bodies, but their minds, as she qualifies as a life and mindset coach, working under the name Mother of Mind. She now helps people bridge the gap between where they are now versus the life they dream of by totally rewriting their subconscious that is often clouded in self-doubt and limiting beliefs by using groundbreaking techniques. I'm so excited to get into this. I have so many questions. Alice, welcome to the podcast. Oh my God, thank you. That's such a lovely introduction. I feel like I need to record it and use that as like my visualization in the morning just to remind me who who I am. I'll give you the little clip (laughs) after this and then you can can have it. Now, some really big, bold moves across across your career. Just walk me back initially. What was it, do you think, about your upbringing or the influences within that that you think made you into the person that you are now so both my parents are very open-minded strong characters and they've both been entrepreneurs or working for themselves most of their lives and I feel like that was probably the path I was meant to go down but instead I did the opposite and listened to loads of other people and ended up going into a world of finance because everybody around me was saying, oh, this is where you'll make really good money. And I'd never even really considered what I wanted to do. But everyone was telling me that's what you should do because I didn't go to university and then kind of came back from a gap year unexpectedly due to a boy. And then was like, what am I going to do? And everyone's like, go and work in finance. It's really good. And I was like, oh, OK, I'll do that. <laughs> and there you go. So I guess... People led you down the world of finance. What what was the experience of going into big corporate finance hedge fund world? And how old how old were you at the time when when you kind of entered that that career? So I actually started working really at a young age. I was nineteen years old when I started working, and I worked for RBS and I started as a secretary and kind of had no idea where my life was going or what I was doing and was just kind of living paycheck to paycheck very much like work for the weekend work for holidays collect bonuses so you can buy really good material goods just to keep you sane because you don't actually really like your job but it was like this cycle that I couldn't break because I didn't really enjoy what I was doing but then I really enjoyed the holidays and the bonuses and the weekends So each year I'd be like, right, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then I'd earn more money. So then I would be like reeled back in again. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually earning quite good money. Maybe I should just like keep, you know, going up this chain. And then I 
worked up from secretary to trader and then that was even more money and I was even more unhappy because I was like this is actually stressful now I'm actually in charge of people's money not just their calendars and I just kind of got stuck in this loophole of not really enjoying what I do but earning good money from it and then also kind of just drowning my sorrows in drugs and alcohol during the weekend to kind of blank out the fact that I didn't really love what I was doing in life I think it's so common I think it's like the golden handcuffs isn't it that if you're in a well-paying job you might not like it but society tells you that you're successful if you're earning lots of money so you just sort of stay in it and you don't really question the fact that there are lots of other things that you might find more fulfilling you just sort of assume that money equals I'm doing great and you just kind of continue I feel like so many people get stuck in that wheel so many people and I think it's just because when you're at a younger age I've never really questioned what does success mean to me again it's just like listening to everybody else's views like what job should I do listening to everybody else what does success mean listening to everybody else like I never stopped and considered what I wanted my life to look like because nobody taught me how it's not something you're taught unless you have amazing parents <laughs> but you're not really taught that in school or university really it's not think about what you really want and what you're passionate about and what's going to make you happy and what's important to you and what are your values in life it's so true it's so true and I guess at some point something changed in your mind where even though you were earning all the money and you had all the belongings and you went on the nice holidays at some point you make this big decision I'm going to follow a passion. I'm going to, I'm going to move into the world of, of fitness. And it, it's no, it's no, no small feat to walk away from a secure, high paying profession to start again, essentially. So yeah. how did that all come about? So it was kind of two big catalysts that led me to do that. The first was, I was, I remember really distinctly this moment in my life. And people do say when you have like a life changing moment, you kind of remember it. I was on holiday in Mykonos with my boyfriend at the time, who's now husband. And I was reading this book, it's like very spiritual manifesting book called Ask and It Is Given. And it just kind of gave me the idea of like, oh, you can actually create your own life, which I'd never really thought about. I just got stuck on that hamster wheel. So when I was reading this book and I was on this beautiful island, I was like, oh, maybe this stuff works. Maybe I need to start thinking about what I want in life and like designing how I want my life to be and what I actually enjoy and what I'm passionate about. And I think that's like the first hurdle, isn't it? Because a lot of people know what they don't want, but then they know what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want. And this is often something I find with my clients. And I was like, okay, I know I don't want to work in finance and I don't really enjoy working in an office. And I really feel like I'm in prison when I work in a nine to five job. But what do I want? And I feel like lots of people struggle with that. And I was like, what do I really enjoy? And at the time it was going to the gym. I was like, this is my favorite thing of all time. And so I was like, why don't I just do a course? And it's it's not committing to anything. And I feel like this is really key with people. It's like when you find something that you like, don't feel like you have to go all in. Like just try things out for fun. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do this PT course just for fun to learn some extra knowledge because it's something I'm passionate about and it will introduce more joy and more things that I like into my life. But when I did it, I was like suddenly like hit by a thunderbolt with like, oh, my God, this is what I should be doing. 
I'm obsessed with it. It's so much fun. I love learning about it. I love the people that I'm meeting through it. And then I was like, okay, I need to do this. Um, so yeah, that was, well, and the second thing was I was made redundant from the hedge fund I was working at the time. And at that point, I don't think I'd completed my PT course, but I was just starting to think about moving out of finance. And instead of getting another job that was like really high paid and very good, I was like, I'm just going to get a job that ties me by. Like, I'm going to work in finance again, but I'm not going to get like another trader role. I'll just go back to being a secretary because it will pay me some money, but give me the time to actually kind of figure out if I want to do this. So I remember for like three or four months, I was working seven day weeks because I would do my nine to five job in the in the bank I was working at at the time. And then my PT course was nine to five every Saturday and Sunday. So a pretty big commitment. And when you say I suddenly found it and I was totally obsessed with it, it, my eyes kind of light up because I'm like, oh, my God, that feeling must be the most amazing thing. Do you think the ability to see something and become obsessed with it is part of your personality or something that everyone has within them? If they found the thing that they loved. Do you know what I mean? Because some people just have that energy about them that once they're hooked onto something, they're just laser focused in in pursuing it. What do you think about that? Honestly, that is such a good question. And I truly believe that everybody has the capability of doing it. I feel like everybody has the capability of having such knowing intuition, but they don't know how to access their intuition. And the difference is you need to stop listening and start feeling. So when you actually feel things in your body, like when you feel emotion, that is such a big clue instead of listening to your mind, because your mind plays tricks on you a lot of the time. And you're also repeating thoughts every single day. So if you're used to telling yourself, oh, I need to work in finance, it's safe, it's safe, I need to do this. Your mind is the one that's going to be like, yes, keep doing that, keep doing that, because it's on an automated pattern. We think the same thoughts like 80% of the thoughts we had today were the same as they were yesterday. It's crazy. Whereas if you listen to your body, right, you can access so much more information. I'm going to give you like a weird example. (laughs) I'm like, tell me more. Yeah. Your body gives you so many clues, right? Like your emotions and your feelings um, are such good guidance, right? It's the same if, you know, you really fancy somebody right? You don't really notice that through the thoughts you're thinking. You get like those butterflies and your heart palpitations and you can feel it in your stomach and you feel it more than you think it. And it's the same way with things in your life that you're passionate about. But I think the problem is we're so busy listening to other people and news, media, social media, friends, partners, we're listening, 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 and just using our mind we don't access our intuition, which is often felt through the body. Yeah. Which sounds really wishy-washy. And if I had said that about five years ago, I'd be like, who am I? Like, that's such a yogi thing to say, but it's honestly so true. No, I remember I actually had a life coach a few years ago. And the, the thing that became very abundantly clear within the first conversation was that I don't think I, I hadn't personally felt for years. And she took me through this journey of having to basically write everything I like how I was feeling at various points of the day just to teach me to feel because I was completely numb to what my body was doing 100% of the time almost and just trying to kind of think my way through life 
And it's just interesting yeah. that you're, you're saying the same thing in terms of feeling is, is probably the number one skill to learn to kind of guide you in the right direction. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like when, and this is like going on to a completely separate subject, but when I'm not drinking, I'm so much more able to access my tuition because I feel so much more because when you're drinking one of the things drinking does is numb your feelings right and so if you're numbing your feelings that might be great if you've had a tough day and you're like I don't want to feel these feelings but equally if you want to understand like the feelings of things that make you happy or things you're passionate about you're not going to be able to access those either it's so true and so true and I guess such an obvious reason why so many people turn to that after a long day or you know various things that kind of happen in their in their lives so I want to get back to you moving into fitness you 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 scale the ladder you ultimately become a PT and then you kind of scale the ladder you're working at top fitness studios in London that's where we met all those years back I have to say you had something incredibly special about when it comes to leading a tribe and just being an energy in a room that I feel like you can't teach people you kind of just have that or you don't it's a bit of a gift did you think that that would be your forever job or was that always the sort of I'll do this for a few years then I'll start a family like what were you thinking at the time moving into that world in terms of a kind of longer term plan I guess firstly thank you so much that's so kind (laughs) to say when I started in fitness I honestly felt like that would be my forever job. I imagine myself like the equivalent of Mr. Motivator, you know, how he's quite old. I was like, I'm going to be like gray haired doing star jumps on like this morning, motivating people (laughs) through fitness. Like I really saw that as like my long-term career. I was like, I did the job I didn't love. Now I'm in the job I love. Like, why would I ever need to leave this? This is something I'm so passionate about. I used to joke with people, I'd be like, it's crazy that these studios pay me to do this because I would do it for free. Like I get so much energy from teaching other people and the fact that I get paid from it is just like a bonus. So at what point did you, did it feel like the right thing to do to leave that world? Where were you at with your, with your life, I guess? So it was really unexpected because I fell pregnant in 2019 and again I was like I'm going to teach fitness throughout my pregnancy I'm going to be one of those role models for mums and I'm going to train the whole way through until I have my children and I was struck with and I can never say this correctly hyperemesis brevardium you know you can't stop throwing up so can't stop throwing up I had really incredibly bad sickness throughout my entire pregnancy and I wasn't able to work out the tools so before I even had my children like fitness was kind of robbed from me for a long time for those eight, nine months that I was pregnant. And then obviously when I had twins at the beginning, I had a C-section. So again, I couldn't work out for a long time. And I think it was during that time, maybe not when I was pregnant, but when I had the twins, I was like, I'm not sure if I want to go back to this. I just started having doubts about it. It was fueled as well. I was um, at the time signed with Under Armour, um, a fitness brand. And I kind of like played with the universe. I was like, right, I don't think I should be going back to fitness. If Under Armour signed me, I I, I, like see it as a sign that maybe there's a little bit more to do. 
but if they don't then maybe I shouldn't be doing this and they didn't and then I was like oh that was a dangerous game like do I really not want to do this anymore and the more I thought about it I was like I never really did fitness to change people's bodies that was never really my intention and again I wasn't really sure about that message until I took a break from it Mm. and when I took a break from teaching people I was like what did I love so much about that job like why was it so important to me why was I so passionate about it and I realized at that time it was never to do with helping people become fitter or changing their body shape it was all about dueling with them with self-belief and energy that they could accomplish anything wow so it actually kind of was quite a natural course to to finding it out. Because like, I imagine, I work within fitness, but on the business side, I was never sort of training people. And I would imagine the kind of pressure of, I've just been through obviously a pregnancy and, and a C-section, like the thought of being a fitness trainer and then having to sort of get back into that frame of work, having not been able to work out or train. I imagine it would have been quite a daunting experience to go back into that world. I don't know. Mentally, I couldn't have even gone back at the time anyway. So after experiencing sickness for like eight months and being really tied to my bed for a long time, not being able to physically move, which is something that I absolutely adore, then having two babies at once as a first time mum, and then getting locked down during COVID all at once, I just hit an absolute rock bottom. Like it was honestly the hardest time of my life. And I was so shocked. Because I was like, wait, I'm the motivator. I'm the energizer. I'm the one that's really positive. What the fuck is going on? Why do I feel so low? Like, it just literally baffled me. I was like, how can someone, like, this sounds really arrogant, but I was like, I always refer to myself as the most positive person I know. I was like, how how has this happened to me? And then it was like a real like, oh shit, if this can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. Like, even if you're at your top of your game and you consider yourself like mentally very healthy, you can, you know, really hit a low point in life. Yeah. Life takes a swing at you. I feel like also becoming a mother, and I can't even imagine what it's like having two at the same time. It's such a transformative experience that I think it changes everyone. And some people sort of can continue element of positivity and for a lot of people it just swings you in a completely different direction my outlook pretty much on everything has changed in the past five months in a way that I just didn't anticipate (laughs) and you know some good some bad but it's so transformative when you had the twins and obviously you had them sort of lockdown time so obviously the whole world was kind of upside down did you feel like I need to have my career back I need to work again were you just like I just need to take some time to just be a mom and you know explore this this new world of of motherhood what were you thinking in terms of you know maybe fitness didn't feel like the right thing to follow but were you taking at least some time to just focus on the twins I would say very openly that I'm not a very maternal and inverted commas person so when I was pregnant I was like I'm gonna pop these kids out and I'm getting straight back to work like the idea of being a stay-at-home mom's absolute hell to me And then when I had them, I was like, I cannot imagine leaving them with somebody else because they're not going to be safe. Like who could, who could look after them and me be away and I feel that they're okay for a long time, which again, really shocked me and actually felt 
quite imprisoning because on one hand, like I really didn't want to be a stay at home mum, but on the other hand, I just didn't trust anybody else to look after them. So I was like in this vicious circle of, I don't really enjoy what I'm doing. I don't like being at home with my kids all the time, but equally I feel stuck because I don't trust anybody else to look after them right now. They're so small. Mm, What did you do? Did you kind of just take time to just focus on them? Were you sort of dabbling in different things on the side career-wise? So I think that was when I was really kind of at a low point. I was in this kind of cycle of really moaning to my husband to be like, I really don't like my life. It's so hard. I just feel like I'm at home all the time by myself. And I don't have, I have no money, no income of my own. I have no purpose. Like obviously raising two children is a massive purpose, but that's how it felt like to me at the time. I have nothing for myself. I have no community. I'm like on my own and I would just go round and round and round in these thoughts in my head. And that's when I started like getting interested into self-development. Like how can I improve my mental health? And again, it was the same route that I ended up becoming a PT. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just do like a course to become a life coach so I understand it better from my own point of view and then when I was doing that I was like oh my god I'm obsessed <laughs> this is what I should be doing I'm obsessed <laughs> I love it I'm like the fact that you've had two moments like that I'm like I'm jealous I'm jealous what did it feel like to start again very exciting at first for sure because when I get passionate about something I'm like all in like this is what I'm going to be doing but then extremely frustrating because I wasn't coming at it from the same point as when I started fitness and I had nobody else to think about but myself so it was a real kind of oh yeah I'm definitely a mum moment because when I left banking and moved to fitness it was like I could be here, there and everywhere, meeting people, putting myself first, getting up at five in the morning, going and teaching, bouncing around London, here, there and everywhere, promoting myself and without really a care in the world. Whereas when I was like, okay, I'm going to be a life coach and I'm going to help other people, but I also still have to keep too many humans alive at the same time. (laughs) And I don't have the energy I used to have. (laughs) and I don't have the time I used to have but I still have the passion. Yeah. I wonder, because I guess there's something brilliant about starting a new career post kids in that you, you know what life's like with kids. So you can very much angle yourself into a career that is complementary to having kids. Whereas there are certain careers that are just totally not complementary to having kids. And actually a lot suffers because the two clash in terms of maybe the time how often you've got to be in an office or what time work days start or end or whatever it might be. Did you feel like you could sort of carve the the life coaching business around the childcare and, and how, how much or not you wanted to be at home at the time? That's definitely something that I had considered because my number one value in life is freedom. So freedom to travel, freedom to do the job I want, freedom to work when and where. Like this is something that's always been really important to me and a lesson I've strongly learned from working in finance for too many years. So when I was considering obviously becoming a life coach, it did cross my mind like this is going to be a really good career in terms of the flexibility around where I can work, 
when I can work around my kids' schedule for sure. Yeah, because I guess freedom's such an interesting thing. I guess any does that mean you are sort of you have to be self-employed in some capacity? Do you think that this value of freedom only comes with the ability to be self-employed, or do you think there is a possibility of still having freedom? being employed I really think it depends on the individual because some people might have a value and everybody's values are completely different every life coaching client I've had you know people expect that we all have the same values and I've never had a coaching client that's had the same set of values but it might be different for everyone like some people might need to have freedom creatively but they're working for a marketing company for example but they need the freedom to create in that way but for me it's definitely been freedom to work for myself for sure or working for other people but always on my terms Mm. that's definitely been really important to me and I think equally it's been a blessing but that's why it was so hard for me to become a mum because I think the number one thing you lose when you become a mum is freedom it's so true you kind of have to totally give yourself over to, in your case, to two little humans. What's the journey been like so far? So you've become a, a life and mindset coach. You've become a mum at the same time. How is life? What does life look like for you right now? A constant learning journey. So I do not have it all figured out yet. And I'm figuring it out every day. It's definitely a lot easier than it was at the start. And you know, for any mums that are listening to this, it really is true that it does get easier when they get older. And some people will say the opposite. But honestly, that has definitely been true for me. Like I found the first year, I can't barely remember it. I think I was just like struck with PTSD from it, to be honest, I can barely remember the first year. (laughs) Um, But honestly, you know, when my husband and I were joking the other day, we were like, (laughs) and this is honestly a joke before this podcast gets reported. If we left our children in the house by themselves for a week and they're three and a half, they would survive. They know where the loo is. They know where the food is. They know where their bed is. Like they would survive. And I feel like with that becomes, you know, a lot more ease when you get to a point where your children can like semi-function by themselves. Mm. That helps a lot. So it's definitely got easier in that respect. But the juggle is ever constant of wanting to spend time with them wanting to have time for myself, giving energy to my clients and also to my kids, but most importantly, like re-energizing myself. That's always a balance of, you know, like dividing my energy Mm. to myself, to my kids, to my work. That's And I feel like every mum must be going through that. Like the energy division is a constant thing to be thinking about. Did you ever seek childcare? Did you eventually kind of get to the point where you were like, I'm going to trust other people with my kids so I can do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So for full disclosure, I've always had help, but at the beginning, I wouldn't leave them with people by themselves. Um, So now we have like a live-in au pair and I've had that with them since they were about one. But yeah, so the first year, I don't think I worked at all because I was like, i I can't leave them by themselves whereas now I have the help and I don't know why I don't know if other mums feel like this but I always feel when they're at nursery in the mornings my kids just do nursery in the morning I'm like that's the only time my mind really switches off still when they're with like au pairs or nannies for example I'm because they're out and about Mm. I'm kind of like oh my god are you okay 
what are you up to? What are you doing? Was whereas they're in a nursery with like full professionals locked in a room. <laughs> I just I don't need to think about you at the moment. <laughs> so is that in terms of how you're managing your days at the moment? Are you you just have that guaranteed, I guess, time every morning where you can focus on work. Like, how does well, what does the average day in, in Alice's life look like right now? So I get them up in the morning, get them ready, take them to nursery, and then I will always work out. And I don't care if it takes me 10 times longer to reach my career goals by putting my workouts first. I've always said when I did this job that I only want to be successful if I get there from a point of pleasure and not pressure. Because if it's going to feel like pressure and it's not going to feel good, what is the point? Like I know people run themselves in the ground and that's the way that they do things. But for me personally, I see my life as a sum of every single day. And each and every day is so important to me. And I want to enjoy each and every single day as much as I can. First of all, you don't know when your last one is going to be. But second of all, each and every day adds up to being your life. So if you're not enjoying each and every single day, you're not enjoying life. And people always put it on this back burner like, oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to be really tough for a while, but I'll get to the place I want to get to. I don't want to get to the place I want to get to that way. Mm. Even if it costs me time, I would rather take the longer route and it feel pleasurable than the fast route and it feel like pressure. So every morning I always go to the gym during the week because it gives me energy which makes me a nicer person to the people that I'm around like my kids or my husband or my clients that I'm speaking to so that's like a top priority for me once I've done that then I'll start work and then I get to work full days on Tuesdays and Wednesdays Thursday I don't work at all I'm with my kids and then on Monday and Friday I get like three hours which is hard, like just doing a three hour slot on a Monday and a Friday. So wow. you've got me on a good day. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> pleased we're doing today. I'm, I think that's such an important lesson. It kind of goes back to what you we were saying before about feeling, because I think there are so many people that are trying to reach certain heights, particularly in their career. And you question whether it's ego driven or whether it's genuinely the thing that would make them the most happy you know, versus the thing that society says, like, get to this and everyone will love you or think you're great or whatever it might be. And that ability to kind of think, well, if I'm not going to enjoy the journey, what's the point in getting to the place where, okay, everyone around me is like, you're doing so well, you've nailed it, you've got to that point. But if you're unhappy, what, where's the benefit to really anyone? Because it doesn't affect those people. Honestly, it's like, I cannot shout it loud enough. If you're not enjoying the journey, you're not really going to enjoy the destination. The destination is so fleeting. Mm. Like we have destinations clearly as markers just for the journey, really. Like I'll have career goals. Like I want to reach X amount of people or I want to have X amount of clients. But when I get there, those goals will move because we're humans and we desire and we want and they change. And that's what allows us to grow. Mm. So if you're not enjoying getting to the destination, you might, you know, you will enjoy the destination so fleetingly. It's like kind of rock stars. Do you know what I mean? Like they have these high moments where they play a stadium, but that's such a fleeting moment. So if you're not enjoying all the rehearsals and all of that, then what's the point? Like the high is such 
those short when you reach goals. And that's why when people and you see these quotes being like, the journey is more important, like make sure you enjoy the journey. And I feel so many people don't understand this. The journey is all the days, like the majority of the days of your life. And if you're sacrificing the majority of the days of your life for like 1% of like the goal, what is the point? And you question, why do you even want the goal? Someone, I know it sounds really morbid, but kind of remind me, you've said something, um, you never know where your last day is going to be. I read something that the average person lives 4,000 weeks. I don't even know how many years that is, but whatever, the the average (laughs) person. And then that really stuck with me because every time I've completed another week, I'm like, that's another week. And if I haven't yeah. like got stuff out of that week, and okay, fair enough, I'm I'm still in the kind of cloud of newborn craziness where there's kind of no real start or end and everything's a bit all over the place, but it really stuck with me. Okay, another week has just gone by. I wouldn't be satisfied if I was just sort of letting them pass by aimlessly with some faraway goal that maybe or, or maybe not I'll reach. Yeah, it is a morbid way of thinking about it, but I honestly think about things very morbidly and I think the more morbidly I think the happier I am (laughs) and I might just get that on a t-shirt the more morbidly I think the happier I am but it's true I will literally wake up in the morning and be like this could be my last day what is my intention for the day whenever I see my father who lives in the US I and I swear to god I do this I write down a list of questions that I want to ask him in case it's the last time I ever see him in person which people think that's fucking weird. Like, why do you do that? I'm like, yeah, maybe weird, but what if it is the last time? And I don't come at it from like a, oh my God, I'm so depressed. It might be the last time I ever see him. I'm just like, I don't want to have that regret. Like when I say goodbye to people, I say goodbye to them intentionally because you don't know if it's the last time you're going to see them. People just take everything for granted. Like I'm going to get another day. I'm going to see that person again. And if you live your life, like you might not, you appreciate that time so much more greatly. Yeah, so true. Get that on a t-shirt. I feel like what people need you to do that way. So you're a life and mindset coach. What does that mean? So for people that have never dabbled in that space, are kind of totally new into the world of self-development, what does it mean to have a coach like you work with someone? So I'm probably going to say this completely incorrectly to any other life coaches that are watching or listening to this even but I'll just say it how it means to me and the way that I come about it is my desire is to help other people create and manifest the life that they truly want and will make them happy I do that in a few ways like first of all I feel like a lot of people don't even know what they want in life they know what they don't want which is great because like I said earlier if you know what you don't want you do actually know what you want but you're just not listening to yourself clearly enough a lot of the time but the biggest thing that I really love to do as a life coach is once people know what they want there's often subconscious programming and what I mean by that is there's often like thoughts or beliefs that people have which make them believe that they can't get what they want or that it's not accessible to them. My passion is removing those things from people so they can get to where they want to get to. So in short, (laughs) as a life and mindset coach, my job, I, I guess I would say that my job is to basically help people 
create the reality that they truly want and help them and work with them and getting them there. Amazing. I feel like so many people could benefit from from having just that help in their life. Do you have many clients who are mothers? Do I have many clients who are mothers? It's a real mix, to be honest. I have a lot of career women. I have mainly women. But yeah, I do. I've had, yeah, probably like a 50-50 mix of mums and women who are mothers. What do you think are the most common, I guess, limiting beliefs that you come across that you have to sort of help people work through the most? Are there very common ones that you see in a lot of people? I would say what the most common, because there's limiting beliefs show up in so many different forms, but I would say the the most common underlying limiting belief is a lack of self-worth. Interesting. Do you think there's this sort of epidemic of lack of self-worth in, in general life? <laughs> why, why do you think people have that lack of self-worth? I mean, I feel like it, you're lucky if you can escape that. Yeah. I feel like we all have it in some capacity because our subconscious minds, and I'll give you a little bit of science and I won't bang onto it too much, but our subconscious minds are 95% in charge of all our actions and our habits, right? So that's all, everything you do basically is fueled by your subconscious mind. Now your subconscious mind is not the thing that you're thinking every single day. You know, the thoughts that you hear, chitter chatter, chitter chatter. It's something that you're not really aware of. Now your subconscious mind is formed between the years of naught to seven. So basically all your actions and your habits that you have in your life are based on your experiences from the ages of naught to seven. So I always laugh because if I end up having an argument with somebody, I always think, oh, it's just like their seven-year-old mind lashing out. Wow, that's so weird. The other thing to say on that is people think that, oh, I've got through life and I had a good childhood or I didn't have any trauma, but everybody has trauma. And by trauma, and I, I always call it little t trauma, during the ages of naught to seven, you might have you know, you you don't, your mind doesn't know how to cope with emotions. So something might have happened to you, like in the playground, someone might have snatched your, your toy, for example, and no one was around to comfort you at that time. Now that can have a rippling effect, even into where you are now, of like, you know, people taking things from you. And that's, yeah, so it's really, it's really interesting. But that's, essentially where it comes from which is why it's so important for people to work on themselves because we are made up of these patterns and often the often our mind just sort of gets dunked up with this data I I basically refer to my clients minds like think of your mind like an iPhone right it's got all these apps on and some of them are really useful like line bike app (laughs) I should be an ambassador for a line bike (laughs) and Deliveroo right really useful and some of them you have on there and you barely use and they're just clogging up your data and clogging up your storage. In the same way, we have beliefs and thoughts that are in our subconscious mind that are not helping us that we need to address and reprogram. I really like the analogy because I feel like everyone can resonate with having too many tabs open or apps open. I don't know if I'm cynical. So I want the dream life. I want to have no self-doubt I want to live a life of passion I want to live a life where I'm kind of fulfilled and happy of course part of me is like is that possible for everyone can everyone get to that place or because life's hard you know it's a roller coaster like bad Mm -hmm. things happen and you know kids are difficult and and 
mean that you're you're often deprioritized from your own life if you're a mother is it possible for everyone to get to that place do you think do you know what I always think is one of the reasons people don't think that it's possible for them to get their dream life is because they assume that their dream life is the same as everybody else's and there's not enough to go around but if you actually sat down and asked everyone like what is your vision of a dream life it's so different for everyone like my dream life is probably completely different to your dream life so first of all I would say it's actually changing your mindset to like the mindset of abundance that there is enough to go round. Like I sometimes see like mega million mansions and I think I wouldn't want to live there. And people would just assume, oh, everyone wants to live in the mega mansion, but they don't. Some people might want to live in like a little hut next to a river with like a, a community and a tribe. And some people might want to live in the mountains and some people might want to be in London. And everybody has such different versions of their dream and what's important to them. And if you understand that, first of all, you're like, okay, there is enough to go round because everybody's dreams are completely different. But then equally, if your dream is the same as somebody else's and they already have it, it's not thinking, oh, they've already got it. I'm not going to be able to get it. It's, oh, they've managed to do it. That means I can do it. Success leads clues. If they can do it, what have they done to get there? Because I'll be able to do it as well. So it's having both those mindsets and working on the limiting beliefs working on the self-doubt that's holding you back and a lot of the times it is society right that's telling us oh you can't have this and you can't have that but actually you can actually have whatever you want it's just whether you're willing to do the work and when I say work I'm not talking about just your actual job it's whether you're willing to do the work on your on mental yourself. block yeah because I mean, I can go deep into the science of this as well, but you have a filter in your brain that is filtering all the information you see every single day. So for example, you will blink six to 800 times a minute, but you're not aware of it because thankfully- I am now aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying it, so I'm like, don't blink, don't blink. Thankfully, this filter will be like, that's really not important information. <laughs> Equally, when you decide that you're going to buy a new car and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy a mini, you see minis everywhere because you're thinking about getting the mini. We agree that this works. We have a brain filter and it's filtering information. The brain filter filters information based on the beliefs that you have, right? So prime example, if we both saw a golden retriever and I was bitten by one when I was younger, I would filter the information of stay away from that dog. It's really scary. Your brain, say you had a sister who was blind and had a golden retriever as a guide dog, you would see the golden retriever and be like, Golden retrievers are the best thing in the world. They allow my sister to have the most incredible life. So everybody looks at things completely differently based on the beliefs that they have. Now, if you have negative beliefs like I'm not good enough to get that job or I, you know, I'm not good enough to be on podcasts, for example, your brain will filter that information and go out to prove it to you. That's all your mind's job is to prove your beliefs back to you. So when you think, oh, or a classic one that I find with women is when it comes to dating and they think, oh, there's no good guys out there. I'm never going to find somebody. Then your brain's job is to prove that to you because you're, it's going to filter that information. So you don't see the good guys because you're telling your brain there aren't any. So the brain's not looking for any of them. Whereas if you're like, oh, I'm open and 
accepting to receiving, you know, a new man in my life because, you know, I'm worthy of that love and I know that there's loads of good guys out there, your filter system will probably like see better ones on Tinder, for example. Like it's literally what you see. And I had this the other day where I started changing my mindset about, and it was really weirdly about a podcast. And I was driving back from the gym and I saw this podcast studio that was being advertised. And I drive back that way every single day. I have for like eight months, never noticed it before. And because I changed my belief about like, oh, I'm going to be on loads of podcasts. Maybe I'll have my own podcast one day. I suddenly saw this. and I literally laughed at myself. I was like, oh, your RAS filter has picked that up because you've changed your belief. Like you've driven past that every day for six to eight months and you've never seen it. And it's literally on a T-junction where the car stops. That's so interesting. Do you feel like something that you always have to do is have the ability to block out other people's opinions or the societal pressure that says you need to behave in a certain way or achieve a certain thing? Because that's, I feel, I feel like I'm always too guided by fear of not upsetting people, but doing the wrong thing by society, I guess. Is that a thing? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I feel like I have to do that with my husband the whole time because he's like, you walk on cloud nine. I'm like, yeah, but it's really fun and like pretty up here. So leave me on my cloud. (laughs) But yeah, definitely. And that's one of the reasons that people come to me for like life coaching is because you get to chat to somebody about something that you want with no judgment and and I have no say so I think this is where people get confused with coaching is I will never tell my clients what is right or what is wrong so if they're like hey I'm gonna leave my husband and dye my hair purple and become a lesbian and move to Peru and sell sheepskins for a living I'm like great like I'm not you know it's not great and it's not not great it's just what you want to do like you're not saying no you need to be doing this I, I have no opinion on it either way right and that is the problem is when we you know and friends can be really helpful and they can be really unhelpful is when we listen to other people's advice their advice is coming based on their life experiences and their beliefs so how can that really marry your experience because they haven't been live yes they don't know what it's like you know even when it comes to mothers we can be like oh but you know I'm a mum and I know what it's like for you well you've not mothered my child you've not been a mother in my house you've not been a mother whilst doing my job you've not been surrounded by my partner or lack of partner or whatever it is like everybody has such different experiences that are so unique but people love to club it together and generalize Mm -hmm. them or they'll do things through the prism of what they want you know if a friend says I'm thinking about moving abroad instinctively I'd be like no because I don't want them to (laughs) I don't want them to leave me but I'm like probably that would make them happier you know it's like one of those classic things a hundred percent a hundred percent and I I feel like that is the kind of downside of mum culture is you do see a lot of that like people generalize and what works and what should be good and and I experienced that and I had to become you know a lot better at it it's always a journey isn't it of learning but when I had twins the only way to survive them really was routine and I'd be like I don't understand people that don't do routine that's fucking mental like how do they sleep but equally people might not understand why I did routine and think it was awful and there's no flexibility and no freedom or whatever. So everybody's life works differently for everybody in different ways. And that is the beauty of it is that you do get to create what works for you, but make sure you are doing that. What feels good 
And again, not what you think is good, but what feels good. And just coming back to that, like, does it feel like pressure? Does it feel like pleasure? Does it feel good to go back to work? Do I feel excited in my body? Do I feel happy? Or does it feel like really bad pressure and scary and not something I'm ready to do yet? Tuning into your intuition of what's right for you, because maybe somebody, you know, like a lot of Americans, they go back after a month or something that might feel great for them. It might feel awful, but everybody's going to have such a different journey of what's right for them. It's so true. How would you describe Alice today in terms of evaluating your happiness and where you are? Not just career, but just like general life. I want to try and explain it without sounding arrogant, but also at the same time, giving hope to other people. (laughs) I genuinely feel the happiest I've been forever, I think. But I had to go through the lowest I've ever been to get here. But right now, I feel very grateful that I did do so much work on myself that I really don't give a shit what people think about me. I feel very safe and comfortable and at home in my body, even though it's not the best it's ever been. Like I've definitely looked physically better in terms of what society would deem a great body but I've never felt so happy in my body and I used to think that was so weird when people on Instagram who were out of shape would be like I love myself I'm like so happy I'm like how can you love yourself like what but I genuinely feel that like I feel content in my mind my body my spirit if that doesn't sound too wanky but I yeah without sounding really arrogant I'm very happy and I feel very content in myself but equally I did a lot of work to get here I don't think it sounds arrogant at all. I think you exude what you're saying. Even if I didn't ask you this question and you asked me to describe you, I think I would have described you in a similar way to how you just described yourself because you do exude that. I think it's just sort of testament to investing in yourself, which I think most people neglect, particularly mothers, because of it just something that gets deprioritized when there's a million other things going on. But I think you're a testament to what investing in yourself can look like. And this is what I really want for other people. I feel like the journey I went on was, I'm a big believer of kind of things happening for a reason and uh, timings in your life. And people who are spiritual will kind of tune into this and people will not be like, what the hell is she talking about? But I had a psychic (laughs) just before I got pregnant. And she said, oh, you're going to have twins or you're going to have children really close together and children are going to be the making of you. And when I had them and I hit rock bottom, I was like, what the hell was she talking about? They were the absolute destroyer of me. I've never felt so awful. And now I've come full circle. I'm like, oh, I understand now because I had to go through that to learn the tools and the techniques to climb back out to be able to share that with other people because my passion in life has always been to motivate people and to make them feel better and to show them that any life is possible. But I had to hit that bottom to be able to show them that properly. Mm, Wow. That is, I feel like I have a million more questions, but I actually want to end there because I think that is the perfect tie up to this whole conversation and a really beautiful way to end. So Thank you so much for sharing your journey and being so insightful. Thank you. That was so much fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to leave me a quick review and subscribe. It helps us reach a bigger audience of women more than you know. 
And if there is an awesome individual who needs to share their story on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. My details are in the description below. I will see you next week.